Thank you for joining us once again as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Romans. And today we're going to look at the fact that we're partners in grace and in the gospel. And so as we're partners in grace and in the gospel, uh, we understand as we've already looked, Paul introduced himself and he uh, uh, gave his, to us his credentials. And as Paul introduced himself and gave to us his credentials, uh, he then moved quickly into talking about the gospel of God, uh, which we have through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and as our Savior. And so after he does that, beginning in Romans chapter 1, in verse 5, it says, through whom we have received grace and apostleship. And so as we look at that, through whom we have received grace and apostleship, it's interesting that he he refers to himself already as an apostle. He gave to us his credentials. He tells us that he is called uh as an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. And so we know that that is specifically uh, his calling. That is specifically the office in which God has called him to fulfill. And we looked at that a little bit as we understand what an apostle is, somebody who is called of God, set apart uh, for the gospel, set apart to share the gospel. But it's interesting here that in verse 5, the apostle Paul says, through whom we have received grace and apostleship. He said, we have have received grace and apostleship. We'll talk about grace in just a minute, but he says we have received apostleship. And so as he uses that term, he uses it in a plural term. Now what we need to understand as we recognize this and we begin to understand this is the understanding of what the word apostle means. The word apostle means to be set apart. And friends, every single one of us are set apart. Every single one of us are set apart uh, for Jesus. Christ, and we're set apart as we're called to spread the gospel message. Now recognize that he's talking to the church as a whole here, and as he's talking to the church as as a whole, he says, through whom we, plural, have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among the Gentiles for his name's sake, among whom you're also the called of Jesus Christ. And so as the apostle Paul is talking about this, he says, we being plural, have have received grace and apostleship. He said, we being plural have received grace. It is through the gospel message of Jesus Christ that we receive grace. It is through saving uh, faith in Jesus Christ that we receive uh, uh, grace. We don't deserve grace. What is grace? Grace is unmerited and unearned favor that a believer does nothing to unearn. It, it, it is unmerited and unearned favor. You can't work for it. In fact, not only we can, can we not work for it, we don't even deserve it. And so when we look in the Word of God and we begin to recognize here in this text of Scripture, the Bible says that we have received grace. He says a little later on in Romans chapter 3 and verse 24, he says this, he says right after uh, declaring to us that we're all sinners. And so since we're all sinners, as he says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, uh, what does sin do? Sin brings about condemnation. So if we're standing in a courtroom and we're standing before the judge. The judge says that you're guilty. You have committed the crime. Therefore, this is your sentence. You are now condemned. You stand as condemned. And so that's what sin does to us because we're all sinners. We're all condemned. We all stand condemned. But because of the grace of God, it goes on in the next verse, in verse 24 of Romans chapter 3. He says, being justified as a gift by grace through 
through the redemption which was in Christ Jesus. So we're justified as a gift. It's a gift that God's given to us. Remember, it's not something that is earned. The wages of sin is death, according to Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Because of that, all of us stand condemned apart from Jesus Christ. But because of the grace of Jesus Christ being justified as a gift by his grace through redemption, which is in Christ Jesus. Just as I talked about last week, it is only through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only one who could have been the Savior, who was the Savior. There could have been no one else who could have been the Savior. It is only through Jesus Christ. It's not by our own works. It's not by our own goodness. It's not by our own deeds. The Bible says very clearly that we have all sinned, and since we've all sinned, we all stand condemned. So apart from the just justification of Jesus Christ, we all stand as guilty, condemned individuals. What does it mean to be justified as a gift by grace? What it means to be justified on the flip side of that coin, as I just talked about, uh, we're condemned. We've been found guilty. So being justified, being justified means that we have been found not guilty. You say, well, wait a minute. We are sinners. We have sinned. We have fallen short of the glory of God. We have rebelled against God. We're all transgressors. There is no one who is good, not even one. The Bible is extraordinarily clear about that. But how are we justified? We're justified as a gift by his grace, not by anything that we've done and not by anything that we deserve. Remember, grace is unmerited and unearned favor of God. It is nothing that a believer does to earn it. He cannot earn it. No one can earn it because we're already condemned, but as a gift of God, we're justified by his grace through the redemption which was in Jesus Christ. And so the Bible, it makes it even more extraordinarily clear in Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 4, it tells us here, it says, But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. So, not in deeds of righteousness. He didn't save us in deeds of righteousness. Being a member of a church isn't going to save us. Walking down an aisle isn't going to save us. Saying a repeat after me prayer with a pastor or anybody else for that matter isn't going to save us. Getting baptized isn't going to save us. Yes, those are all things that we need to do, but not to save us. The only thing that we could do to save us as we're going to look at in just a moment is place our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. But it is not even my deeds of righteousness because apart from Jesus Christ, we have no righteousness. We deserve condemnation. We deserve death. We deserve hell. But yet God chose to give us grace instead. It says here also in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, he gives to us mercy. 
according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, goes on in verse 6, whom he poured out upon us richly through uh, through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified, there it is, is again, being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And so you ask yourself the question, what was the difference between mercy and grace? Well, mercy is where with God withholds from us what we do deserve. What do we deserve? We deserve death. We deserve hell. We deserve eternal condemnation. We deserve to be separated from God. We deserve to experience the wrath of God. But instead of God giving to us that, he he gives to us mercy. He does not give to us what we deserve. Instead, he gives to us grace. He gives to us what we don't deserve. And what we don't deserve is justification of being found not guilty through the washing and the regeneration and the renewing of by the Holy Spirit, which he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so we're justified by his grace that we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And so not even by deeds of righteousness, but by his mercy, by his grace, that we are saved. And so the Bible says here in Ephesians chapter 2, and verse 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved. You, you know, <laughs> the Bible is extraordinarily clear about that. I mean, the Bible is abundantly and redundantly clear about the fact that we're saved by grace, not by works. If we have to do anything, anything at all, that adds to grace, and placing our faith in Jesus Christ, friends, that's not grace. It's not faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works. Again, not by needs of righteousness, not as a re- result of works, so that no one may boast. So we're not saved by our works. We're not saved by our good deeds. We're not saved by being good people because we're all sinners. Every single one of us are sinners. And because of that sin, we stand condemned. But by the grace of God, we stand justified by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, by placing our faith in Jesus and our faith alone in the person of Jesus Christ. So as the apostle Paul says right here in Romans chapter one and verse five, through whom we, we plural, all Christians, every Christian, not just the apostle Paul, not just the church at Rome, but every Christian, every single Christian that has accepted Jesus Christ by faith, that has received his salvation by faith, They have received grace. He uses that word in a plural sense. And so as he uses that word in a plural sense, he also says that not only have we received grace, but we have received apostleship. Again, not everybody's called to the office of apostleship. Not everybody is called to be an apostle. Not everybody's called to be a prophet. Not everybody's called to be an evangelist. Not everybody is called to be an apostle. Not everybody's called to be an, be a pastor. Not everybody is called to be a teacher. Some are, and that is an office. But we all have the calling of apostleship to work together for the sake of sending out. And so again, remember that one of the purposes 
purposes that the Apostle Paul has in writing this letter and even going to the Church of Rome, where he says it's his desire on his way to Spain, is he wants to gain him with himself a partner, a partner that is going to gain with him. He is the pot, the apostle. He is the one that is sent out, but he wants to he wants them to join with him on this. And so he says in verse 5, through whom we plural, have received grace and apostleship to do what? To bring about the obedience of faith among all of the Gentiles for his name's sake. For his name's sake. You see, God wants us to bring about the obedience of faith to all of the Gentiles. Now, the King James translates this correctly, and it says nations, and that's what it is. It's nations to every single nation, to every tongue, to every tribe, to every nation. God wants everyone to know the gospel. God wants everyone to hear the gospel, and if everyone is going to know the gospel, and everyone is going to hear the gospel, then every single born-again believer, every single church is going to have to pitch in and do their part. Not everybody might be called an apostle. Not everybody might be called to be a missionary. Not everybody would be called to be a church planter. Not everybody will be called to be an evangelist. Not everybody will be called uh, to be a pastor, but God has called some. And as he's called them, it's up to the whole church to join together as one force, as one body for the supporting of that call. Now, every Christian is called to share their faith, and the Bible is extraordinarily clear about that. Every single one of us is to partake in the Great Commission and sharing the gospel message. But we as a church, we as a church body, we as local churches, and we as the universal church, the worldwide church, need to pitch in to do our part to make sure the gospel is spread. As Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses in both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now, we may not be able to go to the remotest parts of the earth, but Jerusalem is where they were at when Jesus was talking to them there in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. So he says, start where you're at. Everybody can start where they're at and sharing the gospel message of Jesus. Christ, and he wants all of the nations to know. So even to the remotest parts of the earth, now we may not be able to go to the remotest parts of the earth, but we could support those missionaries financially. We could pray for those missionaries. Maybe there's an opportunity where you can go and help those uh, missionaries on those mission fields and some kind of mission endeavor or something along that line. So not everybody's called to go there and stay there, but there's so many ways that we could support support those missionaries, to support those church planters, and to support those evangelists who are there to go out, to are sent out to spread the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And every single one of us need to partake in that. Every single one of us need to be a part of that. Every single one of us need to be actively involved in evangelizing the whole world. Every nation, he says right here. And so as we look at every nation and understand that God wants the whole world to know him, what does he want them to do? He wants them to, 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 he wants to bring about, as he says right here, to bring about the obedience of faith. Now, what is that all about? What is he talking about right here? The 
obedience of faith. And when we think about the obedience of faith and we talk about the obedience of faith, what, what is Paul talking about right here when he talks about the obedience of faith and to bring about the obedience of faith? You know, when we look in the Word of God, it, it's not by it's not at, by any deeds of righteousness. It's not by any acts of righteousness that we're saved. We already very clearly established that just a just a few moments ago. It's only by faith through grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. But the reality is, is that when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that act of faith is an act of obedience. Now. An act does not save us. Faith saves us. So what then is the Apostle Paul talking about right here in this text of Scripture? The obedience of faith among the Gentiles or among the nations. He also uh, mentions it in Romans chapter 16. And uh, beginning in verse 25, he says, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God, who is made known to all the nations, leading to the obedience of faith. So what is that all about? The obedience of faith. Again, there's no righteous deeds. There's no good works that can save us. It's only faith in Jesus Christ. Any other gospel that proclaims that we're saved by righteous deeds and good works is a false gospel. And the apostle Paul said, if I or an angel above preaches to you a gospel contrary to that which you've already heard, let him be accursed. The Bible is not just clear about that, but the Bible is extraordinarily clear about that. So what does that mean? What does that mean, the obedience of faith? Well, the fact is that once we're saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live within us. And when the Holy Spirit of God comes to live within us, God begins a work of renewal. God begins a work of regeneration. God begins a work of sanctification uh, within our life. The very first act that God begins is that of justification. And in that justification, we're then made in right relationship with God. But then also God begins that work of regeneration. What does that mean? It means getting out all that old junk, getting out all that old garbage, getting out all of that old baggage, delivering you from all of those wicked things and putting into you the things that he would have you to be busy doing and the ways in which you would have to be busy living. Now, again, let's be extraordinarily clear that does not save you, but it's proof that you're saved. It is an outward manifestation that you truly are saved. Now, again, be clear. You, you can't just act it out. You can't just act the part. It is God at work within you. How do I know if I'm truly saved? Is God at work in your life? <laughs> That's it. Is God at work in your life? And if God's at work in your life, getting out the old and putting in the new, if God is at work in your life, then friends, that is a demonstration that, that uh, you're truly saved. So as we look in the Word of God and we begin to understand and we begin to recognize that uh, that that uh, God being at work in your life is proof that you're saved and that God will bring about obedience of faith within your life, 
And as God brings about the obedience of faith within your life, the, the apostle James said in James chapter two, and, and uh, he says that, you know, you, should, you, you tell me you have faith. Oh, great. Wonderful. Good job. T- tell me you have faith all day long. Of course, I'm exaggerating. <laughs> it's not really how he's saying it. He said, but I show you my faith by my works. He's not saying that I got saved by my works. No, not at all. That's not at all what he's saying, because if he did, he'd be a heretic, and he'd be in in, in contradiction with the rest of Scripture. He's saying, because I'm saved, I have works. Because I'm saved and God is at work within my life, I have works. Now, friends, there's scripture after scripture after scripture that backs that up. And we could we could sit here all day long and begin to talk about that. Fact is, the act of repentance itself does not save you. Because we can turn away from sin all day long. But if we're not turning to Jesus, then we're not going to be saved. And all we're going to do is keep on sinning. All we're going to do is keep on going back to that sin. And just as a dog goes back to his vomit, we're going to go back to our sin time and time and time and time again. But the fact is, when we turn to Jesus by faith, we're saved by faith. We we believe on Jesus and by faith that we're saved, God then begins to work within our life. And as God begins that work within our life, begins to work out that salvation within us, Proof that we're saved is that God is at work within us. Whereas Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26, it talks about the apostate. It talks about the one who says with his mouth that he's saved, but his heart and his life demonstrates otherwise. So it's not a saved person. He's never been saved. He didn't lose his salvation. He's never been saved. This is an apostate. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, it says, For if we go on sinning willfully, After receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. So we go on sinning willfully. After receiving the knowledge of the truth, we keep on sinning willfully. After hearing the gospel, we understand the gospel. Our heart's been pricked by the gospel. We hear it. We understand. We know what we need to do. We know we need to put our faith and trust in Jesus because we're sinners. But we go on sinning willfully. The Bible says there no longer remains a sacrifice. Why is that? Because we've rejected the gospel. That's the only sacrifice, the gospel, Jesus Christ. That's the only way. There is no other way. But it says, what do we do expect in verse 27? But a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire which will consume the adversaries. That's what, that's what we should expect. Again, no, we're not saved by faith. I mean, we're not saved by works. We're saved by faith through grace. Again, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. The Bible is extraordinarily clear about that. But how often do we forget about verse 10? Verse 10 tells us, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So when we look at this and we begin to get a deeper understanding, no, we're not saved by works, but what we're saved, we're expected to do works. 
And that is a demonstration that God is at work within our life. For good works, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So God begins to do a work in you. Jesus begins to do a work in you for good works, which he's prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What does that mean? That's our life. That's our life. So when the church says, you know what, I don't really care about evangelism. I don't really care about sharing the gospel. I don't really care if people in other nations are going to hell. You know what? The fact is, I don't even care if my neighbor's going to hell. Is God at work in your life? Has God done it? Do you know the grace of God? Do you know why you're saved and you do, do you know what you deserve because of your sins and what it is that you have been saved from and how it is that you have been saved through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus? Do you know that? If not, friends, you might need to get saved. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that is a Christian is, is an apostle Paul. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying, again, not everybody's called to be an evangelist. Not, not everybody's called to be a prophet or an evangelist or an apostle or a pastor or a teacher. Not everybody's called to do those things. But friends, you should have some kind of yearning within your heart to do something and to be partners in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. There should be some kind of burden in your heart for those who are lost and dying and going to hell. There should be some kind of burden within your heart for the hurting and the suffering. There should be some of the compassion of Jesus within your heart if Jesus is truly at work within your life. For what reason? For good works. So where do you stand today? You may be a Christian that has backslidden, slipped out of his will, and his, your heart's become hardened, and friend, you need to repent. So I'm not a deep, dark, wicked, awful sinner like folks down there on Skid Row. No, but you have the gall to tell God no when he tells you to do something. I believe that's pretty wicked sin. What do you think? So we need to live in the obedience of faith. We're not saved by it, but it is a demonstration of the fruit of our salvation. What has Jesus said the Father is going to do with those branches that aren't bearing fruit? He's going to cut them off, and he's going to cast them into the fire. Friend, do you know that you know that you know today that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Again, saved by grace and not by works. But once we're saved, God calls us unto good works. Jesus prepares us for those good works. Church, don't you think it's time for us to get busy?